Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to yet another Forza Italian football podcast. I say yet another as if we're way into this run of games. We're only on the second of four in 10 days, but I'm Connor Clancy, and I'm joined by just one person this midweek. Kev Pogzelski is here to keep me company through the night, and not for the first time, Kev. Hello. No, absolutely. Uh, Midweeks when Vito's not around is our little nighttime time alone. Yeah, it absolutely is. I was I was thinking back to that night in Torino, though, where oh. you could and should have gone to a bed that you had paid money for, but I had to wait until 4 a.m. or something for a train, and you generously stayed up with me in the wet, yeah. miserable cold of Piemonte nights in December, November? When was uh, it? Late October. Okay. Pretty sure it was last weekend in October, but those shoes uh, that got soaked... Uh, after only just purchasing them and died this weekend. Uh, not, oh, really? Yeah, not not entirely of natural causes. The wife uh, dragged them off me while I was drunk and passed out and uh, tore the rest of the soul off. But yeah, they 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 they're gone. That uh, another little token of that memory from Turin. You, you realise you've just made Stace sound like a a pet dog. Uh well uh well sorry listeners but uh it's just that I need help taking my clothes off when I've had <laughs> one too many Peroni. Uh look we I've heard some horrible stories about you when you've had one or a few too many drinks and I don't think the listeners will want to hear them particularly when you consider that a lot of people listen to this on their morning commute you know when the stomach isn't really ready to to face the day whole other podcast yes um and not one that i ever want to be involved in but kev look we we are here to talk about a full round of Serie A fixtures again there were 10 games played across tuesday wednesday and thursday night 
and seven of them ended all square. Quite a, a strange little statistic to start the, the week's podcast off. But yeah, only three games ended with a winner from 10. That's Is that poor or is it a reflection on things have just started to take their toll on these players already? Oh yeah, definitely. I, you know, I, I'd side with the uh, things are starting to take their toll on the players. Um, the coaches maybe and the players know that they've got all these games coming up so it's you're trying to get favourable result from all four fixtures rather than this whole one game at a time I know they, they do kind of have to approach it at one game at a time but they'll be looking at conserving their energy towards the uh, sort of latter part of games taking a point where they probably wouldn't have thought they were going to get one and there's a bit of that this this week where We've got a lot of sides at the top that have dropped points. You know, a couple have played against each other, but they've dropped points where you probably wouldn't expect them to. So if you've managed to get maximum points, you've, you've really done quite well. Yeah, well, that's it, right? We're looking at the league table, or the, the results, rather, and the only teams who won were Roma, Inter, and Sampdoria. And a win for Samp doesn't mean all that much, given they're kind of floating comfortably in mid-table, but... That win for Inter in particular really closes the gap up at the top because Milan obviously slipped again. And then Roma have also climbed back into the top four. So they are the big winners from this midweek round. Yeah, I think um, taking Inter and Roma, Inter because of the opposition, Napoli have been playing really well. They, you know, they were on a bit, of a, bit of a bit of a good run themselves. And then when you flip over to Roma, and it's a bit, it was a bit weird, kind of... You know, we all want we all want to watch football. You know, that's why we're doing this as we're football fans. And you think, oh, you know, you got midweek, three days of games, and actually, it's it's a lot more difficult to watch all those games because it's not like a weekend. You can't space them out like you can space them out. So you kind of tag one on the end, which is Thursday night, and that makes Roma's task almost even more difficult once they know that the others have lost or lost points because they're playing a team that are fighting for their lives at the bottom of the table. They know they can take advantage if they get a positive result and it adds that pressure to the players. So um, you, I would probably, if I was if I was sort of putting the results in order, it, I'd, I'd be hard-pressed to say who's had the more favourable favorable result this midweek, whether it's Inter because of the opposition they're playing, Roma because they're the last of the, the 10 games and they knew everybody else had dropped points. Well, Inter are kind of on the back end of a, a really impressive run of form, but Roma, I think, probably needed that result a lot more than in than anyone else who, who won this week because they play Atalanta away on Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening. That's not going to be easy for their penultimate game before Christmas, so it it will do them the world of good to, to travel up to Bergamo off the back of a pretty comfortable win. Yeah, I, I hadn't spotted that, so you probably give them a little bit extra credit because they know they've got that coming as well. You know, Again, it just adds to that pressure. Mm. For sure. But, I mean, we'll start at the top with going into these games. Milan dropped points again. And, again, it was in a game where you really wouldn't expect them to. I was almost knocked to the ground when I saw that Mattia Destro had finally scored a goal. And then I, I almost fell through the ground in the hole that I had created for my first fall when I saw that he scored again. Um, quite typical for him to score against Milan. Of course, a, a product of Inter's academy, formerly played for Milan and for Roma and for Bologna and for a lot of teams. But, I mean, that's a huge result for Genoa, if we can start with that first, because I don't think they would have had this down as a game they were going to pick up a point from. 
No, and I when I watch the highlights, it seems to be all Milan first half. So they they probably even came out in the second half thinking that they weren't going to get much out of it. So to take the lead twice in the game was pretty impressive. Um, and it just when you look at Torino losing uh, tonight, um, you look at Crotone uh, drawing against Udinese on Tuesday. It's it's, it's a point buffer. But, you know, at least they're not like joint bottom on points at the moment. And it just gives them something. And particularly because they're because they've taken points off of Milan. I think, again, it's that confidence thing going into such a such a a tight run of games over the course of a couple of weeks. This is the thing, right? Because because everybody drew a draw for Genoa was not a great thing. But one of the teams who lost were Torino, who they are down there against. And then, I mean, I can't remember who else lost. but I don't think it was anyone else actually around them. So it is a bit unfortunate that everyone has picked up those points. But I think the fact that it's come against Milan and Genoa were unlucky not to get three points, it's kind of the same thing we said, Mm. or at least the same thing that I asked when Torino lost in the fashion they did against Juve. Will the manner in this dropping of points be more harmful than the good (laughs) that the point gives them? Like, Which will weigh more? No, see, I think I think general will. Well, if you were in that general camp, I think you'd you'd attempt to take only positives from this. Um, I think there there might be. Well, no, actually, I, think I was going to say they might be a little disheartened that that other teams didn't lose, but actually, they will probably take, you know, positives from the fact that they at least didn't fall behind others that maybe would have will have won. And I'm sure that lots of people in general won't have wanted Sam to win, even though they're not quite in that relegation battle. Um, and it's a bit weird. It feels it feels almost like a, a a win-win because we've seen it all across Europe that the sides that have been playing uh, in Europe and doing this midweek weekend midweek they're starting to look tired, and that's kind of what I put Milan's recent performances. You know, you've got Parma last weekend, Genoa, Genoa here where they weren't quite far in looking at the looking at the coverage, and they will then just be trying to talk it up as a positive that they've come back. You know, they're showing that resolve, the same resolve they showed at Palmer to come back and fight for a point. I think it's all about the optics on these things now, about keeping everybody together in the squad until they sort of take that festive break. A lot of people have spoken about Milan, in particularly in light of Zlatan Ibrahimovic's injury and saying that he's not really everything holding them together and that they don't miss him when he's not there. But they've drawn their last two games against relegation-threatened teams 2-2 both times. And all four of those goals have been scored by defenders. I mean, Teo Hernandez scored twice in the, the comeback against Parma. Teo was on the bench and it was another fullback, Davide Calabria, who scored the first equaliser against Genoa before the, the young guy, Pierre Kalulu, who only came in because of, was it Alessio Romagnoli? No, Mattia Gabbia got injured yeah, and come in. Kalulu came in. That's got to be a concern, particularly the manner of the goals, right? Teo got, his second was a bit of a, it was a nice goal against Parma. And then Calabria scored a great strike from the edge of the box. And then Kalulu kind of bundled one in from a set piece. I mean, am I reading too much into this? Um, you, maybe um, there was a there was a great chance for Rebic I saw in the first half where he, he sort of danced past a couple of men and he really should have probably done better with the finish but I was saying at the weekend that he, he looks a little bit out of his comfort zone playing centrally um, 
again, I think because you can move on from this game really, really swiftly at the weekend, you will just take the positives. And the positives are that we're finding goals. You know, I think if they've drawn nil-nil at Palmer and nil-nil here tonight at Genoa, then there'll probably be a, a few, few more disgruntled voices with uh, the fact that they're, they're missing Ibrahimovic a bit too much. But yeah, just spinning the positives that they're getting goals, really. And actually that it's from other areas because you get that issue then that you're that the rest of the team are maybe only looking for the attackers. Say if Liao had come in and replaced Ibrahimovic and he'd scored the goals in the last couple of games. So they're actually all contributing. And it possibly shows that those players in the absence of Ibrahimovic know that they've got to dig in and provide something mm, fair point fair point um at the the Stadio Giuseppe Miazza the two highest scoring sides this season faced off so of course it ended 1-0 and the only goal came from the penalty spot but Inter beat Napoli 1-0 Kev and I'm gonna start with Antonio Cassano's comments this evening um what day is it Thursday the day after this game where Antonio Cassano said that he watched a quarter of an hour of this game and then turned it off because it was it was terrible. It was embarrassing. Inter were embarrassing. Napoli played with 10 men and they could have won 4-1. He then went on to criticise the quality of Serie A, said it was probably the fifth biggest league in Europe, obviously behind the Premier League, La Liga, the Bundesliga, and Ligue 1 there as well. Um, he, he also stuck the knife in a little bit further on all the top teams by saying the only teams that excite him are Atalanta and Roma. I just pause there for a second for the death of Syria, as announced by Antonio Cassano. Um, I, you know, I, I probably am not the best person to uh, to, to comment because I didn't watch the game in mm. full. Um, there did appear very few highlights from the first half, certainly highlights from Inter's side as well, because uh, there was a couple of great saves made by Handanovic mm. um, throughout the game that looked as though there were chances. Um, I think he's probably being a little bit too harsh because you've got two sides here that are potentially looking at how Juventus are playing this year and thinking there is a chance for us this year. So it's going to be nervy. And again, you know, you've got you've got both these sides have been playing in Europe. One of them pretty badly, but one they're on the back of playing weekend, midweek, weekend, midweek, midweek. You can't keep sort of stunning performances. You know, Napier have had, what, two, four goal displays in the last two or three weeks. There comes a time when that sort of just stops for a, for a short period. So harsh from uh, Antonio, I think. Yeah, harsh, but maybe not all that surprising. I did think that Inter were, were dreadful. I mean, they, they tried their very, very best to completely implode. Once they went 1-0 up, it was like that was the worst thing that they could have done because... From then, they just let Napoli get at them. And this was a Napoli team with with 10 players, right? They, they, and the player they were missing was Lorenzo Insigne, who got sent off. Their most important attacking threat, you could argue. I just, I've, I've no faith in Inter. I think they are title favourites because they're only going to be playing one game a week. And we, we know how Conte coaches quite well when he's only got one game a week to worry about. But it's, I, I don't know. I really don't know what to say. I thought Inter were a disaster. On to that man, Lorenzo Insigne, actually, because he got sent off in the aftermath of the decision to award Inter a penalty. And it was it was a correct penalty award. I mean, Ospina just swiped that 
Matteo Darmian's leg. I don't know how you could argue against it, but Insignia did. Kev, and I'm not sure if you have heard what Insignia told the referee. I think it was Davide Massa to, to do. <laughs> no, enlighten me. Um, well, it was quite simple. He just told them to fuck off, and he got, he got sent off for it, which, which has irked coach Gennaro Gattuso because I'm not sure if, if somebody needs to take out a map with Gattuso and show him where Milan is because he wasn't too happy after the game. He said, you can't send off a player, especially the captain, not sure why that makes a difference, for telling the referee to fuck off after a dubious penalty. In England and Scotland, they tell referees to F off all the time and nothing happens. Only in Italy do players get sent off for this sort of thing. I mean, Insigne knew he was in Italy when he did it, no? Was it a straight red? Yes. Wow. It did seem a bit much, to be honest. It did seem a bit excessive. It it feels a bit much for a straight red. Um I do oddly. I I kind of understand. It's it's probably in the heat of the moment that he said about the the captaincy. I think there's an element of that when there are a crowd of players or whatever disputing a a decision that the captain is usually allowed a little bit more leniency to get close to a referee and have a discussion. Whether telling someone to to fuck off directly into their face is going to get you into trouble. I think Insigne should have also uh, known that, but. Um, yeah, it did. You know, looking at again, well, looking at the the chances that they created, it didn't, it didn't appear to put them at a disadvantage. Twinter, I know they obviously sat a little bit uh, back after that, but you know he's going to get himself a little rest now, which was oddly the one thing I thought. But well, at least he's now suspended for the next game, so he'll be fresh for the one after that. Yeah, but the next game he, is the one they wanted him for. They're playing Lazio next, and then after that, they've got Torino. I mean, nobody's needed to play against Torino. They could play the kids and do all right. Lazio's a, he's <laughs> going to be a big miss. Well, the way Lazio are playing, maybe he won't. Uh, true, actually. It's at the Olympico as well, so that'll probably be a gimme. They'll just so get in Kevin Lasagna or something. They'll probably do all right. Um, I did see, uh, uh, it's worth noting, Ashley Young was the closest interplayer to the referee when he pulled out the red card. And Ashley Young almost mouthed, no. Like, <laughs> Ashley Young was disappointed to see Insigne get sent off for what he did. So I suppose that's probably a, a sign that the referee was a bit quick to, to draw. I'm more impressed that Ashley Young's Italian has uh, sort of come on that quickly that he knew what Insigne was <laughs> Uh, was mouthing. I think that's the, the swear words are the first things you <laughs> you pick up, right, in any language. Yeah, true. Um, but anyway, the biggest game of the weekend was probably, well, aside from Inter Napoli, came at the Allianz Stadium where Atalanta and Juve played out and an entertaining 1-1 draw where both goalkeepers played very well and both sides scored absolute belters. Federico Chiesa scored the first. He then took a little dive to win a penalty later on, but we'll get to that. Um but I personally, and I know I've got a, a horse in this race, right? But I personally think Ramo Freuler's goal pipped Chiesa's just because it hit the underside of the crossbar. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. I was, I was a little concerned with Vito not being here, actually, that you'd be pro uh, Atalanta and I'd be too anti-Juve. Um, well, and I, have I said but, something there that makes you less concerned about that? No, I, I was just surprised that actually... Uh, well, it was an entertaining game. Um, 
I I, I was I'm sorry everybody I'm still gonna I'm still gonna go anti kind of Juve. I just found that <laughs> I thought Atalanta were much the more creative and attacking side when? certainly in the first half. In the first half, okay, hmm? okay, in the first half, okay. Certainly in the first half, I think. I mean, I, I had to check the stats at half time, and I think they had three times as many sort of attacking efforts on the Juventus goal. And then obviously, I saw that Gallini got um, quite good uh, marks in some of the uh, the Italian newspapers. And then maybe I just kind of switched off a little bit because I don't, I didn't recall him making. A lot of saves, but he made those sort of three crucial ones, yeah. one with his face. <laughs> there were, I think that was it, right? He made a few saves, but three of them were huge. Two on Maratha and one on mm. Cristiano Ronaldo's penalty. There were others in there as well. I think there was one on McKenny, maybe. Um, but yeah, th- those three were big. But yeah. I, I think I think you're being a little bit generous on Atalanta in the first half, you know, because a lot of those shots would have come from... Ruslan Malinovsky was just pinging shots from everywhere, as he tends to which is, I think, we might not get into this, but one of the reasons why he's not the guy to replace Papu Gomez if he leaves, because Malinovsky shoots way too often, and he can see Gasparini at times with his hands held to the side, thinking, like, why are you shooting from that position? Um, which, it, it can be frustrating, but uh, he came close on a couple of occasions. But I, I really thought that, as much as it pains me to say it, Atalanta weren't all that great, but then as soon as Papa Gomez came on, they played an extra 30 feet up the pitch. Um, I don't know if that was because Juve regressed out of fear or if it was just that Atalanta had that extra belief once he came on. And I don't think it's coincidental that the goal came within a couple of minutes of his arrival because Juve swarmed around him, the ball broke free and, and Freuler had a bit of space to, to explore. I think it's probably an example of how... Um watching the game on TV it can colour your sort of view of it you know because they will show the they will show numerous clips mm. of someone striking a ball at goal so you're you know if, particularly if you if you're doing something else or you're making notes or whatever on the game your head's lifted with those replays so I think then you come away from the game and I say because because the the Juventus attacking efforts were fewer but you know arguably bigger um, but there were so many more of the Atalanta I think that's probably where I've got my view that Atalanta were you know, on the on on the front foot, foot more often than Juve were. Can we talk about Alvaro Morata? Yes. I quite like him, okay, but I, I'm convinced he's a child. Because I've, he's he always looks like he's on the verge of crying, and he's always complaining as if the world is against him. And he, he was at it again. You Juve got awarded a penalty, which Personally, I don't think was a penalty. I think you agree with me, um, but it, it was given. And Morata managed to get himself booked for starting a fight with Barrett Jimshitti, who didn't even commit the foul on Chiesa because he was unhappy with an earlier um, coming together with, with himself and Jim City. But we need to talk about the miss, don't we? Oh, yeah, it was a bad pen. Well, no, but no, then no, it, it was... not the penalty. Morata's open goal miss. Right, and if you were only... Having, oh, the back heel. What, right, oh, oh okay, God. because... I'll I, block that from my mind. I personally think that. I do think VAR would have intervened if it went in because I do think he was a little bit offside when the ball squirmed back across to him. But the flag stayed down, so the linesman didn't see it as offside. And what on earth was he doing? Pirlo afterwards said he was annoyed with it, and you can understand him. See, uh, yeah, see, I I assumed that some 
VAR decision or even refereeing decision had been had been given. And kind of then it sort of passed me by until I did see you put out on social media, you know, a comment about it. And um, I think it didn't help. I had the TV down because of other stuff going on here. And, um, yeah, it was bizarre that, that, that the game's still going and he decides to do that. And miss it. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, virtually make no contact yeah, whatsoever. he barely touched the ball. But it's quite strange because I do a bit of work for a, the English website of a Spanish newspaper as well. And it was more of a story in Spain than it was in Italy, which is quite funny because Morata is kind of a, a mystery figure over there. You know, like they're quite interested in what he's doing with Juve. And yeah, they picked up on that quite heavily. Whereas in Italy, it seemed to be quite silent, which was strange. But... Oh. I've always quite liked him, mm. you know. When he's when he's played for Juventus, I, I don't think he's got enough out of his talents elsewhere. And I, I wondered whether the environment that worked for him last time will work again this time. And he's he's been, you know, he's I think he's probably he's performed at the level that you expect him to perform. You know, Juventus side maybe under performing ever so slowly. Oh, don't get me wrong, I do absolutely love him. I I do really like him as a player, and I do think that he's harshly spoken of harshly treated by a lot of people who don't necessarily watch him all that regularly but yeah he, he can also wind me up quite a bit but I, I particularly with that miss because it reminded me of when when Super Mario Balotelli did something in pre-season right in pre-season because he thought he was offside and people wanted him kicked off the planet that we are living on and I mean there wasn't a peep Mancini did as well because he substituted yeah. him straight after. Yeah, um, for sure, for sure. But anyway, onto the game. I mean, Atalanta. Given what's happening there at the moment, would have taken a point from from Turin. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Uh, yeah, definitely they'll you know, but yeah because it's a way way to Juventus. I've kind of lumped them in at this season at the moment with Lazio, where it's mm. all just stuff just seems to be going such such a contrast to what they were last season, 
and of all the sides that I think don't look like they're going to pull themselves together at the moment to actually, if you like, put a Champions League qualification run together. Uh, you know, I don't think, I think both of them are still potentially get European football, but yeah, you go away to Juventus where their home record is so strong and you, you're happy with that point. And probably when they're mapping out where they're going to pick points up this season, that wasn't one of the places that they would have had down. Yeah, I, I mean, up until the, the whole Papu thing came out, I was quite happy with everything that Atalanta were doing because they're never great in the first half of the season. And it is always after Christmas that they really click into gear and, and start picking up points. Even Gasparini said in his pre-match press conference that uh, this game's come a bit early in the season for us. <laughs> it's, we're a quarter of the way through, you know, you can't really be making excuses like that. But um, I want to get your opinion on something because you don't have any vested interest in Atalanta nor with Papu Gomez, right? Um, so before the game, Papu was left on the bench and the the Juve song is quite a catchy one. You know, I've been known to sing it myself, even around my apartment sometimes, just gets in your head. And as Gomez was taking a seat on the bench, the, the Juve anthem is playing and you can see Gomez kind of like joking. He's quite clearly laughing and, and singing it to someone beside him. It might have been Muriel or Moika. I know they were all sat closely on the bench. Some people went into a meltdown about this, whereas others said, well, this is what his character is like. He jokes, he has a laugh, he's, he's all about that. I'm inclined to agree with the latter, but I think that's because I love him. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, you know, I'd, I'd agree with you probably. Um, I, I think there's not enough I hate to use the term jokers, but you know, there's not not enough joy at times at elite level professional football. I think I was someone that was probably chewing the air off of people and making jokes on the pitch and whatnot, and maybe I didn't get further than I could have got. But I don't, even, I don't even recall this the Juventus song because I never really sort of ventured to Juventus very often, even before they moved to the Alliance. When I went uh, a couple of seasons ago, it struck me as something that they'd done relatively recently with this sort of desire to really make a commercial thing out of the club and it's almost that I wasn't sure if some people even in the Juventus fan groups were sort of singing oh, a little right. tongue-in-cheek to it so I'm, I'm wondering whether you know that comes across as well mm. and then Papu just decides to sing to it and yeah people need to get a bit of a yeah I agree get a bit of a hold of themselves I completely agree I mean you go to games in some stadiums and Inter is an example. Well, not anymore because Conte changed the song. But Sassuolo, another one, even at Parma, you go and a lot of people in the press box are singing along as well, you know, because it's just, it's, it's quite a catchy song. Fiorentina's is great. And I've been at the, at the Frankie numerous times in both the, the home press section and in the away press section. And, and people whistle along to that when it comes on, you know, people clap to the beat as well. So I don't think it's much of a story, unfortunately. Um, so we're just going to read out all of the rest of the scores and we'll kind of dip in and out of, of what we see fit. Udinese Crotone played out a nil-nil draw. Surprise, surprise. Benevento and Lazio drew 1-1. Samp beat Verona away 2-1. Spezia were 2-0 up against Bologna but drew 2-2 and almost lost in the 97th minute. Genoa Milan we've discussed. Fiorentina Sassuolo 1-1. Parma Cagliari 0-0, obviously. Um, and then Torino beat... Nope. 
they didn't. Of course they didn't. Torino lost 3-1 away to Roma on Thursday evening in the final game of the round. Kev, is, is there anything there that particularly stands out to you that you would like to discuss a little bit? Yeah, well, let's start where you finished, Roma-Torino, because that finished a moment ago. I, I uh, don't know your view, thought it was a ridiculous red card for Singo. Uh, not necessarily... Um, because I didn't see the first booking. <laughs> the first stupid, booking was stupid, a booking. Okay, yeah. Stupid British broadcasters were playing extra time or injury time of some Copa del Rey time. Um, I just think that, and again, this might be me going off onto an old man rant and things, but it's almost as if, I actually, I do think it's particularly in uh, Italian football where cards are actually delivered for these sort of things so that, there isn't an acceptance that players will make contact, you know, and it'll be an honest attempt for the ball. And I don't think the the player who gets fouled, if you like, helps their sort of fellow professional footballer out by the amount of time they sort of make out of these things or do a ramp. Uh, uh, what's the lad who plays for Sampdoria that screeches like a cow? Like Gaston Ramirez. <laughs> Gaston Ramirez, that's <laughs> it. I kept thinking Ramon. Ramon Rodriguez or something. <laughs> and, uh, and, and yeah, I don't know. It just, it, it, 14 minutes into the game, it kind of killed it. You know, because, you know, Torino are a bit down their luck. It doesn't take long before Roma go ahead. Then, weirdly, Torino sort of start really, really trying to go to get the points back. At about <laughs> when it was 3-0 and they had 10 minutes yeah. left. But I just think his foot is not above the player's knee. You know, if the player is standing upright, it's not above knee height. I mean, so there is, you know, feet are good, and it's pointed at the ground, mm. you know, and it's just... Uh, yeah, I don't know. So maybe don't dwell on it too much, thing, but I just though, think in, it's in harsh. I don't want this to be a, oh, modern football is dreadful and stuff. But in the last couple of years, there, there does seem to have been a rise in the belief, whether spoken or not, that if, if there's a foul, it's got to be a yellow card. And a lot of people fall into this trap where they see a foul and it's, it's a free kick, but they say, why isn't that a yellow card? Why isn't that a yellow card? Whereas all fouls aren't yellow cards. And it's particularly um, notable when a player has been booked. Every foul they make after that, people say, that's got to be a red card now. And it's not always the way. Yeah, and sometimes it's the other way around. They've got such a needless yellow card for the first foul that the second one actually probably is a booking. Mm. And you kind of feel so... But I think um, there was a rule in a couple of years ago, I think it was now, where they've taken away this almost automatic red card for those uh, fouls that end, you know, result in a penalty. Mm. can't remember if that's in Europe, if that's in Italy, or that's, you know... But um, and it almost feels like, well, well, I don't even know if it needs to be a rule change. It's just some common sense that players will come together, a bit sort of that that inter penalty. You know, there was there was contact in that there, but it it was it was a foul. It did need to be given as a penalty, but it was like they were gonna there was gonna be a come to coming together of players anyway. And I think if that happens outside the box, then maybe those players are going to pick up needless bookings when it's kind of, okay, just give the foul. It's, yeah. I just saw it disappointing because of what the impact that it has on the game as well. Kev, the last thing we're going to talk about before we let our listeners go and enjoy their Fridays or their weekends or whatever it is, whenever it is they're listening to this, is Spezia Bologna because 
Spezia have been very good this season. They hadn't scored at home until Inzola put them 1-0 up, and then he went and got a second, and it looked like they were on to their first home, in inverted commas, because they're playing 300 kilometers away. This game was actually played closer to Bologna than Spezia. I'm, like, twice as close to Bologna as Spezia, but they blew it. I mean, we we need to mention Musabaro's equaliser because the ball dropped to him 40 yards out and he just lobbed Ivan Provadel, who was excellently high against Atalanta. His high starting position is what I'm referring to, Kev, don't give me those eyes, is what saved Spezia against Atalanta. Um, but it cost them there. And then Bologna were awarded a penalty. So the equaliser came in the 92nd minute. They got a penalty then. And Barrow stepped up in the 97th minute and Providel saved it. And then the subsequent rebound. This was great. Oh, yeah, it was a great um, couple of minutes of action, really. You've got you've to sort of tip your hat to, to Barrow for that late in the game, 2-1 down. His first four, forty yards from goal isn't run, you know, because he's, you know, he's not a defense, you know, centre half that's probably only got one thing in his mind, which is just hit the ball. Yeah. He could take players on, but instead he just pings a lovely shot, and maybe that's probably because you know these footballers are professionals for a reason. They're intelligent. He knows the goalkeeper keeps a high line uh, for Spezia, and uh, takes his chance and is really well rewarded, and then probably. If you're a neutral, you're glad that the penalty gets saved because of how many times the high line does sort of allow them to pick up the points that they have this season and, and entertain us this year in Syria. And um, what looked like a, a fair result, a 2-2 draw. Yeah, there you go. Um, I mean, problems for both that they, Bologna in particular, to concede two more goals. I, I mean, they are a bit of a disaster. We've spoken about them a little bit, but... Spezia are better than they look. I, I promise everybody, if you've not watched Spezia yet this season, I would really, really, really recommend it. I'm trying to get my fixtures list up to see who Spezia playing next. And I know there's a lot of football being played over the next week, but I mean, if you do have the opportunity to tune in and watch them, you really, really should. They've got Inter away next, so a lot of people will probably be watching that. And then after that, before Christmas, they play Genoa in what is a Ligurian derby that won't be played in Liguria, strangely. Um, but I think they should be back in Liguria after Christmas. Let's hope so anyway, and I'll try and get out there and see what it's all about. Kev, we've reached the end. I know. Do I get to win the game this week? Um, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> oh. it's, it was all right, just the two of us, wasn't it? It's always a pleasure. <laughs> We've went on for 35 minutes, just the two of us, to be fair. We've done quite well. I mean, you've earned your name Rabbit Rabbit on on social media there with that. But Kev, thank you very much. Pleasure. Listeners, it's Thursday evening when we're recording this. We will be back on Sunday evening for a Monday morning podcast for you all. So we'll speak to you again sooner than we'd like. Goodbye. Bye, everybody.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.